Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Happy Friday. It is May 14th, another edition of Take Two. We've got... Greg Hughes and Mara Carabello. I was looking at you both at the same time. I was going to mate your names together and make mm. you into one of those like dating names. Gregabello. Gregabello. Nice. There oh, it I kind of like that actually. It sounds nice. like a tasty mushroom on the grill. Yeah. I'm hungry apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or it's been it a long good. week and I haven't slept a lot. I yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> you have had a lot. It yes. Something. It's been crazy. I flew to Washington, D.C. on Monday and back on Tuesday and then was back actually after getting up at 4 in the morning Tuesday to be on air at 10 p.m., so I was really killing it. Well, 4 a.m. Eastern. Well, 6 a.m. probably Eastern, oh, 4 a.m. our time. Right. Yeah, I was trying to Because that, that time, you know, the time difference, especially when you're doing it all in one day, that's, that yeah. is, that's, a, that's a strain. I don't think I could be a senator, the flying back and forth and changing time zones. Mm-hmm. No, it's not that for the would week. Be, yeah, that's, that, it is hard. I, I, there used to be a time where they just stayed there, they domiciled around the, the capital, kind of came home less frequently. It's true. But it's now we have airplanes. The ones. Yeah, now we have the, the horse and buggy thing. It's totally <laughs> no, it was even during an airplane era, <laughs> okay, they did good. that. Okay, it was they had airplanes, but they still stayed there. But Martha, I'm coming home. <laughs> okay, well, uh, this week I feel like there's a theme: COVID, or at least the end of COVID or mass. Is that a new term? What, what's what's that called again? Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I've never I heard hear of it. Tell of yeah, this. <laughs> you've never heard of COVID. Yeah, COVID nineteen. When you the say virus. a theme, it seems like a global. Pandemic. Uh, year plus long topic. But this yes. is breakthrough week, right? Yes, but yesterday I literally had one of those moments on the news where I was like, a year ago, could we even imagine a world where we're talking about giving people a million dollars if you sign up to get the vaccine or if you can <laughs> prove you've had a vaccine, you can take your mask off. And the president of the United States, what was his quote yesterday? It like, yeah. Um, it felt a little dictatorish to me. Yeah, I was like, it was, whoa, it was pretty. Yeah, it was up actually pretty. It was pretty. Uh, let me look, look it, it up. It was something about yeah, I rem- vaccinate or wear, wear your mask, mask or something. Wasn't, didn't Obama was like, say that? Uh, he may have too, but I saw uh, President uh, Biden... Biden. And yeah. his soundbite was really intense, and he's he not was, an intense kind of guy. He was like, there are two choices. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, those are really our only two choices? What about living <laughs> under the ocean, like with the mermaids for the next four <laughs> years? Why is this not on the table? So I want to talk about it here in Utah. Uh, Governor Spencer Cox yesterday all of a sudden said masks can be ditched for the last week of school. I told my son about this, and he was very concerned about whether this was the last week, as in the clean your toe trays out, have a field day week, or the actual last week of school where you're having education. I think it's the last week that you're actually having education, the last week of May, so we'll find out how that goes. Um, There's a bunch of districts that have said, okay, we'll go along with that, and some not. 
Is this a good idea or we've made it almost to the finish line, Mara, and we're like, why a week? So I think this was signaling for him, right? It's almost a setup for fall uh, because I think to, to your question yeah. about like, can we last the last 10 days? He also very clearly said, hey, it's up to the district. So yeah. I'm going to tell you that you don't have to, but you all make your own policies. Like what a good move. So I felt like this was effective communications more than policy making. Yeah. I think what he was sort of launching into is perhaps setting up fall and setting up the summer because if we end our school year unmasked, then the conversation about the fall, unless something entirely unexpected happens, uh, I think I think he set the table for a fall agenda I, for the state. I think it was more strategic. I I I, I think I don't have any firsthand knowledge. This is just my hunch that there might have been a bill. Uh, there was either pressure to put on the call a bill that would uh, pare back the the mandate for masks for students and if he rejected the pleas for the to put it on the call there would be a political consequence um so we it, have a super informed audience but the call is because there's a special uh, session yes, I'm sorry. next there's, wednesday so yeah there's a special session coming up next week and for the legislature so what typically happens and it's happening in, in large volume this year uh or in this special session is that a lot of bills are being put on the call or have been lobbied to the governor to put bills on the call so the governor puts the agenda of bills that will be considered by the legislature in a special session. And I think there was a lot of pressure to see this on the call. This so makes this it a moot point. Yeah, this is a moot, now it's it. a moot point. He didn't yeah. get stripes for not putting it on. He didn't get stripes for putting it on. He got ahead of it and he decided to make it. So it wasn't uh, even an issue. That's, my, that's my hunch. Let's but. take your political hats off. Are you cool with this? Can your kids go to school without their masks for the last week? Are we okay with that? I'm not. In, uh, my daughter's not in a school that I think they're letting the mask get off. Actually, so oh. she's in a private she's, school. She's, with she's hanging on. around with her mask. But you know, I I, I actually think it is good. It's it, we're, we're we talked about this before. We're back in the era of freelancing. I think I think it is now going to be person by person, and it is uh, as these blanket ma- the mandates go away. Now we are in a situation. It'll be interesting to see parents who still want their kids to wear masks and yet the school doesn't. And is that awkward for kids? And I will say, I think from a kid point of view, they are tired of it, but they've adapted to it. I, I think kids are like, whatever. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and I think they've adapted. So I don't think this is a kid challenge. I think it is a, 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 a parent I think it is, too, because I was asking my son about it, too. I was like, are you so excited? Because there's all these girls, and you're like, wow, they have pretty eyes, and now you can see if their nose and their mouth are equally <laughs> such gorgeous. such a mom. You know, I could hear my mother say to me, and I, she would tell that is something my mother would have totally said my that. That is so like, funny. Mom, I know what they look like. I've been going yeah. to school with But let me translate years. as that having yes. been a son of a mom just like that. We wouldn't admit that to our mothers, whether it was 100% true or not. We would feel awkward. We would mm. not admit that. Well, yeah, yeah he, and, and he told me, too, he's like, we see each other's faces anyway. So that's interesting, too, when, when you get down to the brass tacks of what's happening in our schools. When kids are sitting in their desks six feet apart, they've got their masks on. But if you go to gym, they're doing gym without their masks. They're all sitting in the lunchroom in tables next to each other. Mm-hmm. I think there's a divider, so you can't, like, spit on the kid across from you. But <laughs> you can turn and, like, as long as the virus yeah. doesn't go sideways. So he's like, we don't have our masks yeah. on then. So there's... You know, I don't know if the virus is going to spread any more than it is. And I know that we've been saying that kids' case counts are going up. But when you look at it, kids have really stayed stable. There are a higher percentage of the cases we're getting because all the adult and older population cases are going down. But kids haven't been changing. Well, it, so. And I think that if you look at the statistics of how, how much risk there is for a child uh, to get COVID versus the adult yeah. population, 
I honestly think that the re- requirement originally for children to wear a mask was really masks were to protect the adults more than the children themselves because they are such a low percentage. You don't have to do that. I think every teacher, if they're not vaccinated at this point, it's they've decided it's not to be. Choice, I think the yeah. vaccination is readily available. So I don't think we can. And I never was that never sat well with me anyway that these kids are, you know, human. Sh- you're shielding the adults and having the kids wear the masks for that. And that's what I've worried it's been about. I think there's a 100% uh, likelihood that there are parents and students who will prefer to wear their masks. Uh, there are others that will be will feel liberated not having to. And I think it gets down to personal choice, and I think that adults and families can make these uh, appropriate decisions. All right. Very good. I'm looking at your shirt, and I'm really intrigued by it. It has one cool plaid sleeve and one not plaid. Yes, this is my Bill Murray. So Bill Murray, the comedian, he and his brothers are golfers, and this is the William Murray Golf Liner shirts, and this was their family Oh, okay. I'm uh, sorry I got distracted by your fashion. Yeah. I'll, I'll post yes. the pictures. Yes, no, so I liked it. I liked my it. shirt. I, I got this. I, it was one of those, uh, what do you call it, uh, spontaneous, what do you call it? When you, you just, like, go and you buy something for fun? Yeah, impulse I saw it, purchase. Impulse purchase. I saw it on a, on a like social what media. What do you have there on top there, Bushwood? Oh, this is the 1980 Bushwood wow. Country Club uh, champion referencing Caddyshack. The movie, wow, so I am on theme. all Bill Murray today. This yeah. actually was accident. <laughs> I didn't actually think about the Caddyshack and the William. And Murray you got shirt. your Al Gore beard, so you are good to go. Good to go. I call Ruffer, it an Al Gore loser beard or loser Al Gore beard because he grew that beard after he lost in two thousand. And, and so you're growing one now after yeah, your loss. Yeah, I'm kind of in that I, camp I can see now. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. Thanks well, for bringing I want you it up, Mara. You know, that was kind of just between us, but you just said it into the microphone. You are welcome. By the way, like 10 minutes later, I did find that quote from President Biden. Oh, you did? What did he say? Read it. He said, the rule is now simple. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. The choice is yours. See, choice. Choice. I do like that we have choices. Uh, Here's a choice I want to ask you guys about. So Ohio this week, we saw some news reports that they were going to do uh, several drawings for people in their state that had been vaccinated with a chance to win a million dollars. If you were under 18, you could win a four-year scholarship inside the state. People at first were like, what? That's nuts. Then our governor, Spencer Cox, is like, no, this is a great idea. If it could get us an extra 10%, let's do it. He's seriously considering it. Before we get to the legal ramifications (laughs) of whether you can gamble or have a drawing in the state of Utah, is this a good idea, Greg? Is this enough to make you say, you know what? I could use a million dollars. I am going to go get my vaccine in 30 minutes from now. So I laugh because, you know, when, when I was a lawmaker, there was usually people wanted to legalize gambling of some sort. And so there'd be talk of it. There was always some kind of buzz that we should legalize lotteries or we should legalize the scratch off cards, you know, and it'll raise all this money. And someone had said gambling, legalizing gambling is a tax on the dumb. If you understand the, the, the odds of winning is so low and people will throw money at such a low, low odds chance of winning. And so, but there's a chance. But so when I hear, you know, lotteries for, for COVID uh, vaccination, it's like, well, you know, um, it, it, it just seems to have a common theme of it's none of this is, seems like critical thinking to me. It's all just funny to this me. This tickled just, my fancy. <laughs> I love loved it. this. So let me tell you why. <laughs> it is just, okay, I think he's doing a couple of things. One, it is out of the box thinking. We are all talking about it. I didn't even know what to do with it when I first read it. I was just like, what? And I think maybe that's the goal because I, I just think it's interesting. I do think that if he's serious about it, there's this weird tipping point 
where when you offer people too much, then they feel manipulated. I like, I'm sort of thinking, do you offer a million or do you offer, what if you offered a hundred people 10,000 or what? Like, what's the point in nah, which you I think, think it's, it's good fun? Number. But I, but see, the bigger number, I feel like people think they're being manipulated. And they're like yeah. a little bit like, how dare you? Where if you're just like, you know what, you're going to do it anyway. Maybe you get a cool five for it. I think this is, and remember what yeah. he said though. If you listen to his whole thing, he was like, or. Give me some other ideas, right? Like, let's start talking about it. So his goal, which I think is noble, is to increase. I I still think we're in a pandemic. I think it's a health issue. It's 5 to 10% more of the population vaccinated is a huge win from a health department point of view, right? And I think we're all talking about I thought this was so out of the box. I'm like, well, did he just really say? And and now let's go to the law part. If you read the law, it is not vague. Like, this is short and sweet and to the point. But as those who are a fan of games of chance, like well, I that's am. That's what I'm waiting to say. Because, like, old ladies want to play bingo. This no, is going to make a where, wave of bingo here, games. Here's where I would like to Everywhere. anchor the legal response to this. You don't pay anything to play it. So you Ooh. did not technically ah, you didn't expend pay money. Okay. So it is not a game of chance. Yeah, that won't work so in bingo. You I have to pay. We do this at events all the time. Like I go at MC exactly. events if you go to a fundraiser. And I don't know what they call it. There's a raffle of some sort. Mm-hmm. You can pay. A, do you pay for the vaccination? You pay for a ticket. No, you don't. No. But here's my question. Getting beyond the legalities of the lottery. This is where I question. I guess I'm a medical purist. And I think that the decision of your medical decisions, what you do, I don't know if we want it based on trying to get in on a lottery where you win a million dollars. Because what if somebody's doctor is saying, you know what, I don't know that the shot is right for you. You have these underlying conditions or this is not a great time for you, but you're like, I can't pay the bills. I'm not getting, you know, the paycheck from my ex-husband for the kids. And I could use that million dollars and you get the shot against your doctor's advice or what your gut's telling you. This isn't going to be everyone, but it could be some people. And it concerns me that we're making it into a game when our health should be an important, really personal decision that I I don't know if we want to make it into that. So you've got me thinking uh, there's been a real... Bush, they, they, everybody's worried about vaccine hesitancy, right? So everybody's been so over uber sensitive about saying anything. It's all supposed to be so, so, so serious. Now we're getting into the fun, the fun of it, the, the lottery of it yeah. or whatever you want to call it. And, and so, yeah, it starts to, it starts to take on a different tone and a different, so I don't know. I look, I, I think when I see someone in a car all by themselves with a mask on driving, <laughs> There, I do not believe, and maybe I'm being too judgy here, but I do not believe critical thinking is being applied in a car by yourself wearing a mask. Maybe people just have found comfort in it. They like it. They don't have to get it right. I don't know what. But I, I just, <laughs> whether it's lotteries, whether it's any of this stuff, I just, you know, for some of us who want to just critically think our way through life and or want to try and maintain that skill set of thinking through or trying to figure this out, the lottery's not going to work for me. I mean, it's not going to compel me to make a different decision uh, than I would otherwise make. And hopefully, you know. I think it's an interesting way to keep the conversation I think alive. it is interesting, I, and we're obviously I, talking about it um, for sure. I guess the question is, though, is when we hear about the side effects from, like, Johnson & Johnson or the other vaccines, uh, there's always someone throwing out there, it's a one-in-a-million chance you have a heart attack or a stroke or a blood clot. It's also probably a one-in-a-million chance that you're going to get this money. So... Look at the numbers, look at your health, make decisions that are good for you and your family, but um, 
Yeah. It is an interesting concept. It's just weird to me that a year ago, I don't think we could imagine any of these conversations that we're having no, right now. No, this is the entryway into paramutual betting in Utah was not yeah. where I was at. Yeah. Right? You know the what? pandemic would <laughs> so bring about this kind see, of See, you are defending the non-monetary side of this. You've now, just within five <laughs> minutes or less, you are straight into the monetary You know gambling. I like a game of yes. chance. I, I'm an well, Irish I'm Italian. You, and well, the you know, the, the Catholic side of my family loves its bingo games. Amen. Okay? Amen. And bingo is a staple of life, and we need more of them. I'm so. just saying, there's, we go. you don't have to pay to play this. No, you do not have to pay. Uh, here's an interesting one. Uh, the CDC now says vaccinated people can toss their masks. I saw the best uh, cartoon this morning. It made me laugh so hard, and then I forgot to save it. But it was the quandary now of, do I leave my mask on, even though I'm vaccinated, to virtue signal that That's I'm right. doing the right thing for the rest of you, <laughs> or do I take it off and risk seeming like... Like I'm some political nut job or whatever it is. This is just so like, me. I'm going to so just many own tough this. Decisions. Like I just, I got off the elevator today and I have to walk down the street to my office and I didn't have my mask on because I frankly spaced it. It is outside. Yes. Mm. And I had that moment where I'm like, I'm fully vaccinated. I am outside. And then I did my, you know, left of center virtue signaling. So uh, I wasn't you sure. You put your mask on At outside? Least you own it. At no, least you I didn't. It. I just no. walked down the street. So, but it is going to be now confusing about what all of our cues are and where we're going and again yeah, these liberal memos that you got to pass out to know what to do already. i hate I that it's political though it's, it's not it. political greg's oh, it political but so, it's not no, political. It's so political people have made no. it political you just came clean and said it was no no i think Virtue i think people have made it political i don't think this is i, I no. so if you're I, double masking maybe you could just single mask now yeah, like, <laughs> live in la vida loca go one mask not two Woo, we're crazy here we're letting our hair down on this friday and the interesting thing is i see people's comments when this happened they were like well i'm already living without a mask i don't need the cdc to tell me you have no authority over this and then there's people who are like well i'm going to keep wearing it i don't care what the cdc so here's says. one thing i was struck by when i was listening to the cd story cdc story is i'm going to uh, here's what i think i am i'm going to label myself greg i think my response to it was very western because one of the things i think we think is half of all of our news is geared towards frankly new york like i feel yeah. like ev- all political which by the way is rejecting the cdc uh, so all of them are sort of East Coast discussions because that's where the yeah. density is, right? Nobody cares what happens to us. And I realized part of my processing, I have to say, is a Western process. Like we have had, by and large, not all of us, but a lot of us have backyards or parks or like I have not been locked into a 500 square foot apartment. No, can you imagine? And which all of my transit is dense and all of my interactions are dense. And, all, and I even think about my work environment and I know people are staying at home, but it is so different than if I lived in Boston. And so I think a lot of this public conversation that we're hearing and the intensity about it is almost... it's it's for another part of America. And I think some of what we're doing is living in Utah and having a a Utah experience. And I would argue that's more mindset than actual uh, disease being spread because honestly, even when you get outside of Salt Lake City proper and you just head for me south... For sure. The masks get fewer and fewer literally by the miles you yeah. can see less and less masks being uh you know worn you can see it i mean if you go to a restaurant in salt lake city most people have it on if you walk into any of these places right now without one you would be it, you would seem it would seem odd i was at shields over the last weekend and like maybe five percent of the people it was a it was a it was packed so they're B, not requiring it i guess it was right yeah okay. and it says uh, encouraged 
It says masks encouraged. Social distancing and masks encouraged. So I wasn't sure. So it was like five it's like five percent. Did you, you? Did? you're the five percent literally? It was packed in there. I could <laughs> not believe how many people were in there because we've we've been in this like thing <laughs> it is for a crazy this long. place. I'm yeah. like, look, it's so full. And I'm like, I'm so happy. And then there's some people wearing masks, and I wasn't judging. I'm like, oh look, they're scared to death, they're wearing masks. I wasn't, I was happy. So but I was being you go I further. wasn't scared. I don't even know what you're doing down in 106 or 114 I don't South. You, you don't talk go that to my far. Family no, that's like rural this is Utah. Well it is rural my Utah. That's not your I that's packed not your a lunch. Ground. I hydrated. I, I was scared the whole time. You should have been. That's that's, that's <laughs> liberty. You're getting closer to personal liberties yeah, and conservatism. Freaked me Further out. south you go. Yeah, so I had he, to run back to Sugar House. You had to go back Yeah, get to that get to that bastion of oppression. Because we keep talking about everyone always like to say, follow the science, follow the science. Mm-hmm. Was there any science behind this? Because why now is my question with the CDC saying, if you had your vaccine, you can lose your mask. Because I can see early on when the vaccine started at the end of last year, where we're like, okay, let's see where this is going to go, see how the vaccines are going. But why is it all of a sudden okay? And it wasn't okay last week or the month before or the month before, because if vaccines work, they work. And if they don't, they don't. It seems to me that this was also like we're seeing here in Utah, where it was a political move for the governor to get rid of the mask for the last week of school. This was a political move because Biden needed something to have a news conference with to get some political gain, it seems to me. Don't you well, think? Uh, well, no? I, I, well, yeah, but I will say this, that the, the, games, the political game started when the vaccinations were being distributed at a high rate. And they were still telling you you had to wear the masks after your second dose. That it was you didn't need to. And, and then everybody's and, like, "Why am I getting?" And, then, and so that's where you saw the Senate hearings where uh, uh, Senator Rand Paul was saying, "You're double masked. You've been vaccinated, and yet you're still doing this." But the vaccination and and one of the points and and one of the motivations to be vaccinated is that you don't have to. Why are you still wearing that? And he started getting into this. Well, there's variants, and there's. None of that could be the case if they're now saying today you don't have to wear it anymore, if there was still that kind of risk that was being defended. I think what they were trying to do is they wanted to try and create this incentive that everybody's still going to have to go through this arduous process till everyone's vaccinated, then we can all take them off together. And maybe there would be a greater penetration of the population being vaccinated if they had the, everybody had to wait. And I think that, that's the game or that's the political decision, not the science. Once the vaccination was deemed... Uh, efficacious as soon as you got that vaccination and you got your second dose and so many days after it you're good or you should be or why are you taking it it doesn't make any sense so. i think that was i i will say i do think it's unfair to wholesale look at the cdc and say gosh why didn't you know how in real time to handle a pandemic yeah nothing I mean, that, like that's gonna like happen at one point come on yeah. like they are they are scientists they they were scientists. a couple weeks there was a, they were scientists <laughs> when republicans were in office they're scientists now i'm talking about the real workers at cdc now heidi to your point are the politicians using those decisions for sure so there's absolutely a political element but i do think we've gotten a little american social media judge judgy about like I think these are scientists making real-time decisions and what what I wish they would admit to a little bit more is we don't know right like to your point I don't I don't think these have yeah. this hasn't been tested but I think part of our public dialogue right now is since we won't let institutions be real time with us because we're judging them they make political discuss decisions that frankly we should judge like it's this vicious circle in which i absolutely think it's been politicized but i do want to give a shout out to the cdc that i think they are sitting around with really smart non-ophthalmologist entomologists and infectious Ooh, disease people <laughs> and i think they are sitting around trying to make decisions 
But no, it's never been done. And some of it, I think, is smart spitballing. Um, and, and they can't say that because they feel like we're going to judge it. And so we then judge them when they're political. Yeah. But I do think the CDC, by and large, has been quite earnest about having a global you know what pandemic. I, you know what I keep thinking of? This might this does age me, but there used to be this old Samsonite uh, luggage commercial okay. where the luggage goes out of the passenger's sight and then this big giant gorilla takes it and whips it Sma- against the wall and smashes it around. And it's a big fear. Like, what do they do to my luggage once they it goes right. to the bad ha- bag handlers? I imagine that the CDC as a building is one giant dartboard and they're, hey, I got a guy blindfolded it with dates and they're just throwing the dart. And then it hit it hit the date, and they said, "Oh, that's the date you're going to do it." I would that's, assume that they that's the out of sight reality of how we got here. It's a big giant dartboard and blind blindfolded people throwing those darts. Mm. That's what it I is. think. There's some science and probably some guessing going on. And interestingly enough, I think some states that some would say went rogue, like Texas, and got rid of their masks before others. I think was probably a good. Um, way for them to look and see how things it's were like going to go. It's like a clinical trial. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, mean, was. Texas was a large really? clinical yeah. trial for us right. to see. And it ended up that I don't think their cases have really gotten any worse. They've been going about business. Some businesses still requiring President Biden there. called Neanderthal-like, and it wasn't at all. They've so. all survived. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how this all goes. We're all in this giant experiment together. Uh, in our nation's capital this week, this already feels like a month ago, but Liz Cheney was up for a vote um, of whether or not she stay in House leadership. I think before the vote even happened, we knew that she was going to get pushed out. Uh, <laughs> because, because she was like telling everyone to take this job and shove it. This is, why you, this is why you could tell it was a tell. She was telling everyone to get lost, climb a tree. I don't care about any of you. So, yeah, she had she a little edge it. to her. Yeah, I think she was done. Representative Blake Moore, our newest uh, congressional member, I guess we've got two new congressional members, but he voted to keep her. Owens, uh, we don't know how he would vote. He was not there for the vote. Curtis and Stewart voted for that change. Any surprises how our Utah delegation voted or what came of that? I, I, I think it's an easy vote. It's, it's absolutely easy. Uh, having, again, on a smaller scale, not to compare it, you know, across the board, because I can already feel Mara's look. Um, <laughs> I was elected into House leadership by a legislative body. And when your colleagues elect you to be a leader, I was majority whip uh, before I served as speaker, it is a job of service. You are being elected by your colleagues because you are there to help them and to help them be successful in, in what they're doing. Uh, when when some of the details of, of Liz Cheney's decisions or positions uh, left them feeling less united or that she lacked, she did not have that ability to serve as a member of leadership, I, I think the same exact uh, re- response would have happened within the Democrat uh, caucus in the, in the House if you saw one of the Democrat leaders attacking President then Obama or President Biden, there may not be that feeling of unity with such sentiment or action. So it's leadership's service, and they and and I think she lost the, the confidence of the caucus, not on the topic by itself, but it just didn't, it wasn't going to bring them together. Is this so, Republican virtual so, signaling, though? That's my question. Have we, like, well, I think it it's even, I think it's, it's more worrisome than that. So I agree with Greg that caucus election, I mean, that's what this was, right? It's yeah. a closed caucus yes. election. They have so many variables. They have differences. But yep. if we're analyzing this as a bellwether, because, because as Greg has said, nobody's really interested in this truly yeah, as, nobody like, knows an Liz issue. Uh, but go outside. The we'll reason go we're Nobody looking at it, in my mind, 
mind is that we're seeing if this is an indication of something. Yeah. So I think a couple of things that are worrisome indicators. First one is, if this is the Republican definition of a big tent, then they just turned it into a bivy sack, right? Like, nobody is welcome except you follow these two or three examples. So I think the big tent notion gets wiped agree. out with this vote. The agree. other second was that there is nobody who can question the bona fides of uh, the conservative bona fides of Liz Cheney. I can. And I know you can, you can trump her, but <laughs> you can't bona fide her. The Cheneys are like quintessential Republicans. In fact, the woman who's going to replace her has a less conservative voting record. So what was this a test of? This was a test of whether this is King Donald's party and this is a party about a person yeah. Or whether this was about conservative values. Because Liz Cheney's record on conservative values is unimpeachable to a large degree. And she has been a stalwart on conservative values. So we have a party that's trying to decide if they want to be for King Donald or whether they want to be conservative values. And those aren't necessarily the same things. And I'm a little worried about the indications. I hope the party in general, because I don't I don't think this was a party discussion. I think this was a Republican House caucus discussion. And but I am worried about the two indicators of closing the tent for a you're going to choose a person over values and beliefs so, because Cheney is a blue, true Republican. This is coming from Mara. You're not a Republican, so your assessment of what, what defines the conservative Republican might be a little bit colored or jaded by no, your own Liz perspective. Now, Liz Cheney's wow. voting Let record on Republican Her issues. Her father was the chief of staff of Gerald Ford when he was president. He himself was a member of Congress. He was a minority whip. And when he was in Congress, he was the Secretary of Defense, uh, then Vice President of George uh, W. Bush, and then, uh, and then you have Liz Cheney, his daughter. This is as swampy and as established of a family and as a person as you're going to find in Liz Cheney. Some of the narratives that she is saying, if you have any memory of the George W. Bush years of lies can turn into violence. Do you know who used to say things like that about President Bush? It would be the Democrats about what? The Gulf War, okay? People defended you know, that president. People defended. She is using the, the spin lines. She was found to have rallied the 10 or got, got together or collected the 10 uh, signatures of former secretaries of defense right after the election condemning uh, Trump. This is all about that Trump. Is this is not about conservative no, no, no. values. No, no, no. That is undermining the party. That is not, that is, that is the being Donald treated. The Donald Trump show. The no, King no, no. Trump it's, show. It's, again, I, 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 would, I would submit that if, the, if, if a member of House leadership, okay, that was Democrat, was found to have done these exact same things towards a Democrat president, be it Obama or Biden, you would have the same recoil, and it wouldn't be this is a, a the smaller tent because they're saying no, we don't want to do that. The person is just subordinate to the party. Take the party out, not look at Liz Cheney and say, and say there's a problem. Are you okay with this? this you wouldn't be okay. This was with a that. decision between Trump and conservative no, values, and Liz it's, Cheney it's process. It's, it's, chose it, conservative values, it was, it was and a people want to decide what the calculus the is around party. King Donald. I think it was. And I think it was undermining the party and her colleagues. Her conservative bona fides on this are unbelievable. I mean. 
mean, if anything, what is the biggest criticism of her over her career? She's too hawkish, that she's too pro-military, that she's too pro-American. Like, that's Liz Cheney. And so now, yeah, she doesn't like Donald Trump. I don't think And, and the calculus is about is that. The only American. thing she's taken aim at is Donald Trump. She has never taken aim at Republican values. And the disingenuousness no. of people taking her now and suggesting she's not a conservative, because I actually do want the Republican Party to be driven by values, and I want the Democratic Party to be driven by She represents an interesting well. state in Wyoming. There is one representative and two senators. Okay, so every Senate, every state gets right. two senators, and yeah. you get by population. Seldom do you see a statewide member of Congress, one, and then two senators from that same state. So if the people of Wyoming don't concur, and I don't think they do, that she is this rock-ribbed conservative that represents her values, they feel generally... I think that's why she's not – I'm telling you, I believe she's trying out for one of these talking head news channels, CNN or MSNBC, you know, because they love Republicans that eat their own. They love them. And so she's trying out for that. She was telling everybody to climb a tree before they even you had their vote. You can make more money if that's what you choose to do. Yeah. Sure. No, no, no. It's All a, it's a good gig if you can get it. were about Donald Trump. They were they not were, about the they party. Were they were not about and conservatism. they were dividing the party. And why and is it the sycophants of Donald Trump are offended by this and the calculus that Donald Trump will help win the midterm? I get all that. Those are all political calculations. And I get why the caucus wouldn't want someone who's not why, mapping Mara, to King Mara, Donald. But her Mara, bona fides as a why conservative is it that, Why are is it incredible. that if you, if you criticize Trump, then you're just, you're, it's great. You're, you're doing well. Because that's all she did. She just but criticized if you're, Trump. But if you're, but if. It, it, it just doesn't translate the other way. You, if, if the same thing was happening and you flip the parties, the same response would be happening from the Democrat members of Congress. Yeah, I don't know. There's no evidence. And by the way, none of this is a bellwether of our elections and the everyday Americans because Americans not. care about their gas prices going up every single day. You know, we're paying, the federal government's trying to it pay people more right in unemployment than to get a job. I mean, we got all these things going Those on sound right like now. Liz Cheney issues. And, and I'll tell you this. That's what the Americans are worried about. They're not right. worried about Liz Cheney. We could care right. less so about the their little is, leadership the elections. The is out of So touch. it's not a bellwether. It's not a bellwether. I hope I not. The interesting thing is, is I think a lot of us who are looking in the political world and just looking all the time, it does seem like it's maybe a reflection of what could happen in the next elections of saying, you know what, we're not going to have this big tent. We're living in a pup tent. But how many people just at home that don't follow politics unless it's a presidential election, do they care? Will they remember? I don't know. But it definitely is an interesting thing to watch this happen. Interestingly enough, she's elected by people and she represents those people. She can still represent them. She just won't be representing other Republicans. So I don't think what she's going to win re-election. We'll is she even going to run again? Do you know? I don't know. I'll, I don't she's know. We're going to watch polls. it closely. Hopefully remember her name when the election comes up again, right? <laughs> yeah. um, while we're on this topic, when I was talking to the senators this week, I actually asked them. They couldn't vote on it, obviously, but Romney was definitely in Liz Cheney's corner. And um, I'm Senator so, I'm so has, glad this chair had you know, arms uh, on so I didn't fall, fall off the and chair Senator Lee, we don't know where he stands. He no, said Lee, was, I thought, had a really interesting yeah. answer to say this is a House discussion. Yeah, so he so didn't weigh into That was debate. a really nice sidestep. I would answer I mean, I mean that. that There's no sarcasm there. That was a good... I know. So anyhow, it was an interesting discussion. And if you're listening to this podcast, I don't know what day you'll be listening, but Thursday of this coming week, which I believe is May 20th, we'll have a large chunk of their interview um, on Two News at 10 o'clock if you want to listen in. We had a really good substantial conversation, so I'm excited for you guys to hear it. So I'm so interested in this. You have done what no one has done for ever in that you got both of our sitting senators together 
and uh, backroom deal. So one of my questions is, how Ooh. did you arrange this? I mean, isn't that yeah, a Yeah, I was highly skeptical time? you could pull this off. I remember this you talking incredible. about this, and I thought politically this was not going to happen. So I didn't know did if it was it? going to happen either, but I used to do our congressional interviews once a week where we do them from Congress, and they'd have a camera, and we'd shoot it back. We haven't done those for a while. We've kind of gotten in Zoom mode over the last year, and I think that everyone's gotten comfortable with it. It's easy for us. It's easy for them. So when I requested these interviews, I think both senators' preference was just to do it on their own, on their own time, and to do it in Zoom. We all, it's easier. You don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to be there on mm-hmm. time. But I'm ready to get back to real people, real discussions face-to-face. I think that seeing people's facial expressions, how their yes. body is, what they're saying, is just a better conversation, and... The elections can seem like forever ago, and in some ways they are, and I just think accountability is important. So we wanted to ask questions for Utah families about where are we going, where are we headed, what are you really trying to do to change things, and I think we had a good conversation. I'm excited. Yeah, Mara's way better in person than when she's on the phone. It's just, she's, <laughs> she's just, way more dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just heads and like, shoulders yeah, better. I pull so. over, your toenails I get out. a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it was fun, and we flew to Washington, and senators obviously have busy schedules. They had committee hearings. I was, you know, thinking maybe we'll get 15 minutes. We had a good 45-minute discussion uh, before we had to scoot them out their door to their committee meetings. So I'm thankful they gave us that time to sit down, and I hope that it's of value to people so here in without Utah. detail, because you can't give okay. away the, the, you know, the substance of these interviews, but you have senators that have kind of seen the world a little differently. They've, they, there's some big, huge votes out there that they were on different sides of. Was it awkward in the room? Just give me the environment. No, I don't think it was awkward at all. I know a lot Were of people... Were they chum? Did they fist bump on the way in? Are I didn't like, see any fist bumps. Any I was busy hugs? getting set up. But we went in there and set up about a half an hour before they arrived because we wanted to make sure everything was lock-loaded and ready to go. I had a photographer come from KUTV with me, and then we had a couple of photographers from our Washington, D.C. bureau come. So... Uh, we shot out on several different cameras so we could get it all. And Did they have entourages? Were there were there staffers kind of staring each other down? They were not anything? in circles. They were not no. staring each other down. A couple of chairs and you, like just yeah. the three of you yeah. guys. Yeah, well, their, their staffs were in there as well. Sure. And so they were um, in there paying attention and listening to what they were doing. I think they have social media staff. They have mm-hmm. a communications team. Any gang signs being thrown? Um, if they were, I don't know okay. because I'm not a gangster. Okay. Just but here's the interesting yeah. part, yeah. though. is little tense. Everyone is a little street. Yeah. yeah, a little street. The funny thing is, though, is that when you look on social media, uh, Lee is like the right wing of the party, and uh, people like to call Senator Romney a rhino, and he's not even a real Republican. But well, he's, I he's a Massachusetts governor. See, so but I looked up their voting records, and they both vote almost. No, I'm not going to say identical because they both vote against their party on different issues, but each of them vote against their party 15 percent of the time. One is 15.3 percent. One, the other one's 15.6. Interesting. So for different reasons, they're though. 85% Republican right. with their party all the time. Now, if you look at when their votes match up, they match up 75% of the time. So that's where you see the difference between the 75 and the 85. Yeah. But those are very few votes. They're voting differently. Usually it's Senator Lee on a constitutional reason why he's not, or Senator Romney where he's listening to the other party and voting with them. But when you look at they're both voting 85% with their party, they're both Republicans. So everybody. what you're saying is that Greg's name calling is uncalled for. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, it's what I hear no, you I, saying. This is something that happens in public policy and in politics all the time. I heard the same uh, assessment made by Justice Gorsuch. Neil Gorsuch spoke about how frequently justices nominated by Republican and Democrat presidents vote similarly, more yeah. so than what you would think when you see a court and you would just assume they're always, if it's a Democrat nominee, they're going to vote left, and if they're a Republican, they're going to vote right. He laid out the statistics that showed how, how often those votes are mixed, uh, where it doesn't fall on party line or where they vote together, which was interesting. I did this for the House. I showed how often 
House Republicans and Democrats voted right. differently from each other. There's a lot, a lot of common ground that we, it just isn't newsworthy when it's all right. the same. When everybody's agreeing, no. which it doesn't is why make I'm the digging news. Heidi getting them together in the same room with people right. because it cuts down. I mean, you listen to those percentages and you think, wow, we're living a lot in the smoke and mirror noise and not a lot just on the conversation. Yeah. So I like the idea of, and I think, I think this zoom and the distance maybe creates that opportunity for soundbite and quick where face-to-face is a conversation and they have diverse ideas even though they want the same thing we talk about things to help families and we'll talk about that on thursday but they have very different views of how you solve the problem and they're going about trying to find the same end goal but definitely in different ways so i think it's an interesting way to look at it and i do want to say though that that I, I think it's worth pointing out, and you have, and I and I think it is how much common ground in policy or in the, in politics there is. However, I will say that it is justified in some of the big votes or some of the even historical votes that we've seen where you see them on the opposite side. It does merit the attention of the public to see that there is a difference in perspective or vote. And you're talking about impeachment? That's one, yeah. I mean, uh, Senator Romney's the first in American history to vote to impeach a president of his own party. As a senator, or to vote to convict. Which on of that. Lee's Which votes that weren't on party did you? Were you most disappointed? You know what he? Um, th- there is there is a side of Senator Lee that and and where they're trying to get. You know, I am a big fan of the most conservative policy that you can pass. Otherwise, the status quo reigns. So to be to take votes where you're trying to find common ground and it's not perfect, uh, to be a protest vote. I, I, I'm just not a big fan of protest votes. And I think sometimes uh, Senator Lee wants to be that conscience of the Senate. And so you see a, a some When he does his Ted Cruz moments. When he has some thing. protest votes. And I'm not, I love Mike or Senator Lee. I think he's a great guy. But but for me, if you're asking me, I'm not, I wasn't, when I was speaker and when I was there, I'm not a big fan of protest votes. I'm, I'm into, let's hash it out. Let's get Vote the your most, conscience. Yeah, but also the most conservative. If we, if we love the status quo, leave it alone. But if you're, if we're going to make change, if we're going to do something that's changed. We're going to find the most conservative or the strongest policy that you have the votes in the legislature So one of the things pass. I appreciate about Senator Romney, and, and to some degree Senator Lee, is for me it is as much about your rationale for taking your vote as the vote you took, right? I want thoughtful consideration. I will assume there may be briefed at a level I'm not. And, and even when I disagree with the outcome, if someone can express rationale, and I've really appreciated, I feel like Romney's gone out of his way to give a rationale. Now, that, that, that doesn't mean you agreed yeah. with him, but I do appreciate that it, it appears as though um, we have a, a, actually a whole slate of elected officials from Utah who tend, not completely, but who tend to understand that if you can explain your rationale, that is it goes a long way to credibility. They owe it. I mean, that's the one thing that, that public servants owe the constituency is that explanation, that but context. They don't they, give it all the a time, lot, You're right. right. And I, but I, I don't, I'm less inclined to give a star on the forehead for that. I think that's what we should do. Those that don't give that, I, I have more criticism for. By the way, if you don't want to pass a bill that's the size of a phone book in a large metropolitan area because you can't read all the, the lines or even have staff yep. doing it, that's not a protest vote. That's a legitimate reason mm. why not to vote for a bill. We really should get to a point where we're reading the bills we vote yes, on. Yes, 100%. I, I, that's not a protest that. vote. I, I don't want that to be confused as a protest vote because that's that's – I think that's a ridiculous process. That is crazy. So I think we need to change that on both sides of the political aisle. We have gas prices. We've got other things we need to talk about. We're going to save it until next week. So if you're listening, tune in on May 20th at 10 p.m. to listen to your senators and their plans of how to make the world a better, happier place. It's going to be awesome.